The Bible reading this morning is from John 15, verses 10 to 17. John 15, 10 to 17. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. was on. <laughs> Sorry. Good morning, everyone. Suppose you all want updates on Baby Franklin, don't you? No, you don't. I'm just trying to work out how to do this. I haven't done it for so long. There we go. Yesterday was a wedding for Bryce and Abby Webb. John and Bronwyn Webb, and Bronwyn was able to come and attend that wedding, which was lovely. She's been out of hospital for about a week. John thinks she'll be uh, out for a little bit longer, um, but she's, she's looking well under the circumstances, but she's certainly looking a lot frailer. But typical Bronwyn, she's very positive and very concerned about others, and it's a very strong faith, that lady. So continue to pray for her and for John, and God is at work around them and in them. And uh, it's amazing to see what God is doing in that family. So that's what these decorations, Lee Wilson did that, and she's uh, left some of that up for us uh, to enjoy today. In that passage that Kerry read to us, it's a significant passage. It's uh, key to us in terms of discipleship. And in it, the Lord Jesus is talking about that we as followers of the Lord, of him, of the Lord Jesus, need to be a people who are closely connected with him, abiding in him, remaining in him. And over the past six weeks or so, you've been looking at various dimensions of what that means. That's all encapsulated in this course that we keep talking about, or this discipleship tool called Master Life. And it has various dimensions to it, and it significantly is linked with this passage. If you think about a cross, I'm not sure if Pastor Charlie has done this with you or not, but... I'll do it uh, today and we'll be doing it throughout this year undoubtedly. It's not um, perhaps new for many of you, but for some it may be. I want you to think about a cross and at the centre of the cross, uh, place a circle. And that represents you, your life, your body, soul and spirit. And the Bible teaches, Matthew, uh, John chapter 15 certainly teaches, that Christ is to be at the centre of our life, that we are to be Christ-centred, we are to abide in him and that we then become 
his follower, his child, his servant. And in that passage that Kerry just read to us, we can move from being simply called servants to being friends, to being intimately connected with him, someone who he takes into his close confidence, centre of our life. And then going down from the bottom of the cross is the Word of God, that we are to be followers of the Lord Jesus, the people who link into the Word of God, who read the Word of God, study the Word of God and are responsive to the Word of God. Above the top part of the cross is prayer. We connect with God in prayer and we intercede Him and we pray in faith. And then there is the arm of fellowship. We fellowship with one another. And the other arm of the cross is uh, witness in the world. So they're the full dimensions. And this morning is the complete horizontal one. If you think about the Bible and prayer, then that's a vertical connection. And that's about us loving God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength, the great commandment. The horizontal dimensions between fellowship with other believers and witnessing in the world, the horizontal one is about loving your neighbours yourself. And the way Master Life describes that is ministering to others, both inside the church, but also outside the church. So that's what we're going to talk about this morning, that dimension of this material of ministering to others. Um, and I'm going to give you, I didn't, wasn't going to number it, and I don't want to number it, but there are something like, and I've counted it three times and I've got three different numbers, all right? So I'm not sure how many you're going to get. But it's around about the 15 mark. There are 15 reasons why we should be serving God and there are about five reasons of how we should be doing that. And then we're going to conclude at about 12 o'clock when you didn't go home. <clears throat> Before I pray, let me just reread this passage to you and point out a few things. In John chapter 15, verse 10 to 15, it says, If you keep my commandments, if, if we're obedient, Jesus says, you will remain in my love. We remain closely connected with him at the heart, the centre of the cross and of our lives through our obedience to him, just like he did with his heavenly father. He said, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be full. That's his intention for us. He wants us to be spirit-filled and joyful. He intends good things for us. And he knows the way for us to get that is by living a life connected with him, being obedient to him. And this is his command. Love one another. The horizontal dimension. Care for other people. Greater love, in fact, Jesus says, has no one than this, that someone actually lays down their life. We'll talk about this next week a little bit. That also includes denying yourself, taking up your cross daily and following him. To lay down your life for others is the greatest demonstration of your love for them. Seeing that we had a wedding yesterday, so husbands, you are to lay down your life for your wife. Ephesians chapter 5. You are to love her as Christ loved the church. She's to submit to you, let me say that again, she is to submit to you and Rhonda doesn't have any trouble doing that at all. When you have a husband like me, who has trouble? Too far? No, sorry. She's to submit that I am to sacrifice. She is to deny herself, I am to die to myself in our relationship. My job is to nurture her. My job is to make sure that she reaches her full potential. So husbands, God will call us to account for that. And that's part of this passage as well. Jesus says, I no longer call you servants. We are servants, but I don't just call you servants um, because a servant doesn't know what his master's business is. But Jesus has informed us. Instead, I've called you friends, close intimates. Everything I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. 
You didn't choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and that whatever you ask in my name, on the basis of all of this, this close intimate relationship, walking in obedience with him, serving one another, if you ask whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give it to you. If that's your attitude and your operational mode, then you'll be in close intimate touch with the Father and be asking according to his will. This is Jesus' command to us, love one another. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that we have this opportunity to come together, to be reminded, and maybe even for some of us, to learn, maybe for the first time. So we ask, Lord, that you would help us to concentrate, especially, I pray, for those at home, where it's so easy to be distracted. And for us here in the building, in the midst of um, the humidity and other things that may distract us, Lord, help us to listen to you. Not to know all the points, but to hear what you want to say to us out of this. And for us to respond and to be encouraged and stimulated and so that we can walk in a very close, intimate relationship with you. Lord Jesus, draw very near to us, we pray, by your Spirit. And we ask this because we know it's your will in your name. And everybody said, ministering to others. Most of you already are, I've no doubt. But I want to expand it just a little bit this morning. We're talking about ministering to others, uh, primarily in the church, but we serve Jesus, not just in the church. We are servants of Jesus in the home, we are servants of Jesus at work, we are servants of Jesus at play, and we are servants of Jesus in the church. Now, on that last dimension in the church, for some of you, you may not be serving. But you may very well still be serving in these other areas. That's excellent, and you need to keep doing that. But this is also a dimension that you need to take on board. Not just with the leftovers, or not just when it's convenient or comfortable, but this is something we must all be doing. Now, I have to read my notes, operate my iPad, and move that thing. So you pray for me, please. Here are the reasons of why we should be servants of the Lord Jesus, why we should be ministering to others. What does the Bible teach us and how does it encourage us? Number one, we're all expected to serve. Every disciple of Jesus is expected to serve. Um, I hope you can read that. My apologies if it's too small. Um, the scripture says, this is Hebrews 9.14, how much more then will the blood of Jesus Christ cleanse our conscience so that we may serve the living God? The reason we have been saved is so that we can be servants of the Lord Jesus. Um, so every disciple is expected to serve. I just want to fly through these. I don't want to spend too much time on any one of them, though I will pause occasionally. Here's the second reason. We were made to serve God. God is the one who made us, and he made us in such a way that he gave us a job and a function to do. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his handiwork, his craftsmanship, his masterpiece. I told the uh, craft group on Thursday, Jeremiah chapter 18, God says to Jeremiah, go down to the potter's house, I want you to observe what the potter does with the clay and then I'm going to give you a message. So off Jeremiah goes and when he gets to the potter's house, the potter is turning the wheel and he's got the clay lump on it and he's shaping it into a bowl or a vase or something. But in the process, it's marred, it's not turning out the way that it should. So the potter takes it, <laughs> squashes it again and starts again. 
And then God said, this is my message to you, Jeremiah, what the potter has done with the clay cannot, can I not do with you? Not so much the... But the... Things don't always turn out the way we intend them. And things go wrong in our life. We live in a fallen world. But God can take the broken bits and the fallen bits and the twisted bits and the wrong bits and he can reshape it using the same clay, not changing too much, but changing the shape and changing the intention of it. God made us to serve him. He is the one who has um, gifted us and equipped us and so on. Ephesians 2.10 says that we are his handiwork, his masterpiece, like I was just saying, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to do. God made you for this job to do. Oh, I can't do much, I don't know what to do, and so on. Well, God made you for a specific purpose, and part of our role and joy in life is discovering what that purpose is. At the wedding yesterday with John Webb, he was telling me about his eldest son, Robert. And Robert is a quiet guy, but he's the number one salesman for Torquay watches in Australia. He's brilliant at it. Worked at the airport, but with COVID, that closed down. Torg Howe wanted him so much because of his gifts, his talents, his abilities, the way he is. They flew him to Switzerland for a week, trained him, sent him back. Now he works on the Gold Coast and he's the number one salesman for Torg Howe in Australia. Incredible, isn't it? John said to me yesterday, when you find and do what God made you to do, you'll be successful at it and you will have great joy. It's true, isn't it? God made us to serve him and he's done so in advance with things for us to do. God wants to use us. Here is the truth, you matter to God. Everybody does. Every single person. He loves us, he wants to forgive us, he wants us to trust him, to talk to him and to relate to him and to listen to him. He wants to lead us, to transform us, to make us more like Jesus and he wants to use us. And when we do, like I just said with Robert, about Robert, then we'll find great joy, great success, great satisfaction. God has given all of us different abilities, as I'll come back to it in just a second, but God is looking for availability. Are you available? Are you a servant? Are you abiding in Christ? Is he at the centre of your life and you're responding to what he wants you to do? Far too many disciples, so-called disciples, or so many professing Christians just coast along, spiritual window shopping, carefully excluding God from their own agendas and their own schedules and everything else. And they include God once a week at church on Sunday or whatever it is, and then they put God back in the box. They take him out of the handbag and say, God, I need your help to do this, and he does, and then he says, thank you, and put you back in the handbag, and then I'll see you on Sunday. Too many live like that. Instead of like 24-7 servants of the Lord Jesus, Christ-centred, at home, at work, at play, in church, all of the dimensions of life, of serving him. God made millions of angels, but his executive decision is that he's going to work with us. Work in us, work through us, work with us in partnership with him. He wants to use us. And he wants to use us to show other people how much they matter to him. God wants to use you. That's another reason why you should be serving him. We've been shaped to serve God. You guys have heard this lots of times over the years. And you know the word shape, the acrostic, stands for 
The S stands for spiritual gifts. The H stands for heart. We have our own interests, desires and uh, preferences and interests and so on. Uh, we all have different abilities and we all have hundreds of abilities, all different sorts of abilities. Um, we all have experiences, um, good, bad or whatever, and the P that I jumped over is our own personality. We have different personalities. You're either an introvert or extrovert, but that's okay, that's how God made you. And he'll use you the way he shaped you, the way he made you, with your experiences, both educational and painful and good and whatever else, to work in your life. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, sorry. It says verse 4 up there, but it's verse, verse 7 is better. Verse 7 says, Now to each one, each follower of Jesus, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To each one. Manifestation of the Spirit. A spiritual gift is given. Why? For the common good. It's given to us to use to serve and bless others. Verse 11 says, All of these spiritual gifts that Paul just named are the work of one and the same Spirit and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. The Holy Spirit is the one who determines what gifts you have and so on. 1 Peter 4.10 we'll come back to in a moment. We, another reason. We have been resourced by God to serve him and others. God has given us the Bible, he's given us the ability for prayer, the opportunity, the access of prayer, fellowship with one another, other believers, he's given us the gospel, he's given us the Holy Spirit, he's given us our spiritual gifts, he's given us our shape. All of these resources we have, God has given them to us in order that we can serve and minister to others. Next reason. Our service with God is never in vain. It's never wasted, it's never useless. Sometimes it will feel like it and sometimes it may seem it, but the Bible promises us that it is never in vain. For RI teachers, for instance, who go in week after week and year after year and you tell the truth and you plant the seed and you never see any fruit for your labour, be encouraged. Your labour for the Lord is never in vain. You are planting the seed of the gospel, of biblical truth in lives. And God will achieve his purposes through it. And you probably may never discover how effective you have been until the day of eternity. The truth is God takes his word both to transform and save, but he uses that same word to harden and to judge. And he will achieve his purposes through you. It's never in vain. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 58 says, Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Stay at it. Don't give up. Don't quit. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Even when it seems it. We walk by faith, not by sight. God promises that his word goes forth and it never returns to him without achieving the purpose. Hebrews 6 verse 10, jot that down or, or learn it or file it away in your mind to look up if you don't have your Bible with you right now. But Hebrews 6 10 says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown him as you helped his people and continue to help them. It's a beautiful verse, isn't it? Hebrews 6 verse 10. God is not unjust. He won't forget. He won't forget what you've done. He won't forget your love for him. Um, and he will, as we'll come to in a moment, he will reward us accordingly. When we serve God, we glorify God. 1 Peter 14. 
Did I put that? Oh, can you read that? No, I'll read it to you. Peter says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, generally, they should do so with the strength that God provides. Why? So that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Why should we serve God? Because when we serve God, not only are other people's ministered to and blessed, but God is glorified. He is also pleased. He is delighted with when we do what he made us to do. Hebrews 13, 16 says, And don't forget to do good and to share with others, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. Don't forget to do good, share with others, serve. For with such sacrifices God is pleased. So God is glorified, God is pleased when we serve him. And then, lo and behold, we are also rewarded by God when we do what he made us to do and what he's resourced us to do and what he's called us to do, then he is delighted with us being, doing what he wanted us to do and we get rewarded. Colossians 3.23 uh, 3, and 24. <clears throat> Remember right at the beginning I said we serve God at home, we serve God at work, we serve God at play and we serve God in the church. This verse teaches that. And we get rewarded for it. The Apostle Paul says, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, whatever, at home, at work, at play, at church, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord. You're doing it as if you were doing it for him. Over my Christian life, which is over four decades now, this verse often comes to my mind. I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit goes, you need to do that to the best of your ability. You need to do that to the best of your ability. It even happens to me when I'm mowing the lawn. I'm doing the edges. Oh, that'll do. Do it as to the Lord. Imagine this lawn is his. Not hard to imagine, isn't it? It is his. He owns everything. So when I'm doing the edges, I have to do it to the best of my ability. When I'm mowing the lawn, I have to do it to the best of my ability as to the Lord. When I am working, whatever circumstance or situation I am in, the Apostle Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Jesus you are serving. Why should we serve God? Because we're going to get recognised and rewarded for it in eternity. It's going to be a difference in eternity based upon our service in time. And Malachi 3, 16 and 18, you should, like you know John 3, 16, you should know Malachi 3, 16 and following. It's absolutely beautiful. Listen to this. Um, then those who feared the Lord talked with each other. This is in Malachi's time. Those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. I love that imagery. Here is God in heaven. The angels are singing, holy, 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 and falling down and worshipping him. And suddenly down <clears throat> Sunnybank District Baptist Church after the 8.30 service, people are gathering together and they're talking about the Lord. And God, I can imagine in heaven going, shh, I want to listen to this. I want to listen to what the people are saying. 
That's what Malachi says. Those who feared the Lord talked with each other and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence. He wrote it in a book. What you say to one another in fellowship about the Lord, he records. Um, a book of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared him and honoured his name. And then God says, And on that day when I act, they will be my treasured possessions. I will spare them, save them, just as the father has compassion and saves the person, the child who serves him. And you will again see the distinction, Malachi says, between the righteous and the wicked. Note this, between those who serve God and those who don't. In Malachi, there are the righteous and there are the wicked. The distinguishing mark of the righteous, they serve God. Distinguishing mark of the wicked, they don't. Why should we serve God? Because it distinguishes us as his children and we will be recognised and rewarded for it. And in fact, serving God is our ultimate destiny. Revelation chapter 22 verse 3 says that uh, he sees the, water of the, ri the river of the water of life and on either side of the tree of life and it has fruit in every month, 12 times a year. And then verse 3 says, No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb of God will be in the city and his servants will serve him. It's something we will do throughout eternity. It's something uh, how God has shaped us, what God desires for us, and it's not just for this life, but it's going to go on forever. Billy Graham used to say that. He said, I'm not sure what I'm going to be doing when I'm in glory, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to be serving God. As God has gifted me to be an evangelist, he projected, maybe I'll be an evangelist, you know, intergalactically. I'll be going to other planets and preaching the gospel or something throughout creation. Who knows? It's going to be a new creation, new heaven, new earth. Why should we serve God? Because serving others will keep us spiritually fit. It builds our faith, it increases our joy. Just as physical exercise, I have heard, increases muscle and connective tissue, so serving and giving is like a workout for our faith. It'll keep you spiritually fit. If you're not serving in your spiritual life, if you're not consciously following Jesus at home, at work, at play, in church, you're not his servant in those dimensions of life, then you're going to be flabby, weak and undeveloped. Turn to the person beside you and see if they're flabby, weak and undeveloped. Don't say anything, just look. Why should we serve God? Because serving God keeps you involved in what God is doing, Ephesians 2.10. You're joining God in what he's doing as he works in the world. That's our mission statement, working with God in transforming people into passionate followers of Jesus. Why should we serve God? Because serving God will recharge your spiritual batteries. Just like a Toyota hybrid. I get paid for all of these political, these car announcements, by the way, as well. As the Toyota car goes along, apparently, I don't have a hybrid, but I hear this is how it works, the battery itself is being recharged by the energy and motion of the vehicle. So too for us spiritually. When we serve, we get recharged. John chapter 4, verse 34, the Lord Jesus had to go through Samaria and he's tired and exhausted and he sits down by a well and a lady comes out, the woman of Samaria, and he gets in a conversation with her. The disciples go into the village ahead to get some food. When they return, sees him talking to a woman, they're a bit miffed, or not a bit miffed, they're a bit puzzled by that and they wonder what's going on. She leaves and then they come with the food and he says, I'm not hungry. 
Has someone brought him some food? Has someone else given him something to eat? And he says, John 4, 34, I have food to eat that you know not of. Ministering to others in need, letting them know that they matter to God, doing what God wanted him to be doing, serving God, energised him. It's like food, it nourishes, it strengthens, it replenishes, it gives you great inner joy, it recharges your spiritual batteries as you do what God wants you to do. Serving others will bless you, it's more blessed to give than to receive. So you'll be not just a blessing to others, but you will be blessed in turn. So there's a reason to not stop others serving you. Because if you stop others serving you, then you are stopping them getting the blessing. So, I'm ready for all of you to be blessed. Come and serve me. Here is a quote that I came across. Could I jump over one? No. That'll do. What we need are second fiddles. Ronald Reagan was the one who said, it's amazing how much gets done if you don't mind who gets the credit. Leonard Bernstein, a conductor... Did an orchestra piece on television, and somebody came to him once and said to him, Mr. Bernstein, what's the most difficult instrument to play? He thought about it, and he said, The most difficult instrument to play is second fiddle. I can get plenty of first violinists, but to find someone who wants to play second violin with as much enthusiasm, or second French horn, or second flute, that's the most difficult. And he says, And yet, if we have no one who plays second fiddle, we have no harmony. thought it was a great quote. Most important reason, why should we serve? Well, because we're commanded, because God expects it, yet all of that. And, but in terms of personal benefit and growth, serving others makes us more like Jesus. Mark 10, 45, says that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Many. Just as we, when we serve, then we are reflecting and becoming more like him. Luke 22, verse 27, when he had washed their feet, he says, I am among you as one who serves. And then, of course, Romans 8, 29, is that Jesus came to die for us, to reconcile us to the Father so that we could be forgiven, but also transformed. And Romans 8, 29 says that those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's God's agenda. That's God's program. He's told us. God's will for you is to become more like his son, Jesus, reflecting the fruit of the Spirit. And just as he was a servant, so we are to be servants. So lots of reasons, aren't there? How should we serve God? We'll go quick. How should we serve God? We should serve God wholeheartedly and obediently. And now, Israel, what does the Lord ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, to observe his commands and decrees that I am giving you today. How to serve God? With all your heart and obediently observing his commands. We should serve God um, out of gratitude. But be sure to fear the Lord and to serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. 1 Samuel 12, 24. 
Consider what great things God has done for you. And on the basis of that, and in gratitude for what God has done for you, serve him. Uh, Let me say this. I should have put this maybe up in the other section, but anyway. It's very important to be aware. We serve because we are saved. We don't serve in order to get saved. We don't serve in order to get brownie points with God so that he will save us and take us to heaven great mistake that so many people accept or believe and it's just not true you only get to heaven by accepting jesus repenting and entrusting your life to him and then doing all these other things walking in obedience to him and so on but it's all based on that relationship first we should serve the lord with gladness psalm 100 verse 2 psalm 40 verse 8 says that we delight in doing his will so do it with gladness we should serve the lord in love galatians 5 13 exactly what it says to serve the lord in love for one another and genesis 29 verse 20 is a story about jacob it's the story where he meets this girl called rachel whom he falls in love with and he serves for her for seven years and then he gets duped in the marriage and marries the sister leah and then to verse 20 of chapter 29 says that Jacob served another seven years for Rachel. And it seemed to him like a short time because he loved her. We're to serve God because we love him. Out of love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and strength. So, there are lots of reasons to serve God and the Bible tells us how we should serve God. With all of our heart, obediently, with gratitude, gladness and love. That's how the angels do it. God says to the angels, I want you to go down the streets of Calcutta and I want you to sweep the gutters. Sweeps of Calcutta and I want you to sweep the gutters. They go. They go obediently, they go gladly, they go with joy because they just delight to do what the the Lord wants them to do. That's how we are to be. But serving is a choice. We are expected to serve, we are resourced to serve, but are we willing to serve? Joshua says at the end of his book, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. What's your response? Let's pray. I'll pray. You can follow this prayer and you can pray this just to yourself quietly as well to our Father. Heavenly Father, thank you for your great plan and your great love for us thank you that you have shaped us and resourced us and called us to serve you and to minister to one another lord i want to present myself we want to present ourselves to you today here we are we're available take us lord and use us in any way that you see fit direct our steps this week in your ways and open our eyes to the opportunities we have to serve you at home, at work, at play, and in church. We pray and ask in Jesus' name and for his sake. And everybody said, Amen.